Hi everyone and welcome to season 3 of Ajari Talks. I am so honored and I'm so happy to have you guys here. Happy New Year everyone. Um, so for my first guest, I am delighted, honored, privileged, I don't know what else to say uh, to have with me. Pat Bugwa, and she's the head of legal for Standard Chartered. Her actual title is extremely long, <laughs> but I think it's head of CCIB, correct? Legal. legal. Uh, we'll get into that later. But in the meantime, just to say that, um, you know, for legal purposes, um, she's here on her own volition. Uh, it's uh, her own views are being expressed and not those of the bank. So just that little disclaimer to start with. Uh, but we look forward to having you guys here for the rest of the year. It's going to be a brilliant year. Um, let's go. Pat, welcome. Uh, you Thank are you. such a brilliant guest to have as our first guest for the year. I'm really honored to have you and thank you so much for making the time. This is great. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jerry, for having me. So, Pat, we, let's start off with a, an easy one. Why <laughs> law? Why did you choose to become a lawyer? Actually, I didn't quite choose uh, okay. to do law. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was uh, default. Um, I was primed from a young age to pursue medicine. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. Even my mm -hmm. success card for KCP, my card from my dad read Dr. Really? Kanyok. Kanyok is his pet name for me. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. But then life happened mm -hmm. and I ended up in law and I can't say I regret it at all. What, is, what, is, what do you mean life happened? How did it happen? <laughs> what happened so that you could become a lawyer? <laughs> So I was uh, a high achiever yeah. and uh, used to do really well in school, but um, I didn't get the grade I thought I would yeah. in high school. Were you disappointed? I look, was disappointed. Look at where you are now. <laughs> I think everything works out the way it should, right? Oh, it should. Yeah. Uh, oh, it does. Mm -hmm. It does. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that was the perfect um, result because then it ended um, with me having to rethink my yeah. choices mm -hmm. for university. And I ended up, uh, you know, uh, redoing my choices and law came on top and when I look back my strengths were actually in the law I was good in English uh, written and spoken and um, I like ad advocating for people yeah uh, so the skills were always there they were there and just you didn't just know. didn't know yeah didn't know. but now look at where you are. I mean this this is uh, the culmination of a lot of hard work and I know we met last year when you won well you beat me as <laughs> Second runner-up in the uh, Lawyer of the Year category at the Nairobi Legal Awards. Yes. How did you beat me? <laughs> well, I wouldn't really call it beating, but I think that's more a question for the I jury. I take it as a, be as a beating. <laughs> I think that's more a question mm -hmm. for the jury and the assessors. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but congrats to you as congrats well. Congrats to you. It was so lovely to meet you. And yeah. I think it's Look because of all of the stuff that you've done to prepare yourself to be Lawyer of the Year, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, I'm really proud that it was a woman. Um, you know, two women, two of us. Um, I think it's a it's a good example for other women in the in the legal field who are doing amazing things as well. Um, what did you feel about that night? Exciting, exhilarating. At some point, in post, the imposter showed up. Yeah. Imposter syndrome. Because mm -hmm. at some point, I wondered whether I really qualified. Why me? Why me? Why me? Mm -hmm. But then again, why not? Why not you? Yeah. Why not you? And it was such a pleasure to meet you at that at that event, like. and for you to be sitting here opposite me as well. Um, so you started off your career at Kaplan, mm -hmm. um, so very strictly in practice. Um, then you went on to Walker Contos as well as a partner, and now you're in house. And I know that you went um, East African Development Bank as well. So why did you choose the in house route in the end, and is that the end? And just to qualify, Kaplan was a one-month stint when oh, was I was it? in second year oh, I see. in university. Okay, yeah. yeah, but that was really good because it then uh, obviously popped 
in my CV. Yeah. So then Walker Contest, I was there for nine years. Wow. Right. Yeah. But then I just decided I needed to grow in a different direction. And because I was serving uh, most of my banking clientele in, uh, you know, the convincing space. Yeah. I thought what better move than to go into the banking world. Yeah, so you actually a real estate lawyer? Yes, I was. Oh, I see. Yes, okay. I was a real estate lawyer, mm -hmm. did a bit of commercial law mm -hmm. as well, yeah, okay. but mainly real estate. Okay. And what is the biggest difference between being in-house and then being a practicing lawyer? I think the biggest one, in my view, is having to be forced to be very pragmatic mm -hmm. and offering real-time advice. Mm -hmm. So... You know, I always joke that I miss having a PA and, you know, the luxuries of a clerk. You know, you, I would have you, thought it's more luxurious in-house. No. In, in oh, oh, no, no. Is it not, not at all. Not at all. So one of the things you have to quickly adapt to is being your own person in terms of your photocopying and everything. Oh, yeah. The admin. Mm -hmm. But more importantly, being on top of your game because um, many of the transactions that we deal with are real time. Yeah. And there's a client at the end of it all. Yeah. So you cannot afford to, uh, I'll come back to you later for most of the yeah. questions. Obviously, if it's a heavy thing, then you'll seek that indulgence. But more often than not, you have to give on-the-spot advice. Wow. So that's a huge difference. And I think most external counsel are starting to understand their clients intimately because it's all about, if you think about it, a good lawyer is one who understands their clients, whether external or internal. Our clients are our business stakeholders. Correct. So if we understand the business, understand their needs, understand the need for quick turnaround, then it's a win-win. And, and how much of it do you rely on external counsel or do you try and do it all um, in-house? Now, I think the benefit of having practiced uh, externally uh, for a long time mm -hmm. is there was there's less reliance on external counsel, yeah. especially mm -hmm. for the day-to-day -day heavy lifting. Mm -hmm. But obviously, there's uh, those transactions that you need external support, uh, like our corporate finance transactions. Yeah. And also, where you're trying to brainstorm, and one of the best you know, pieces of advice I get is where we're able to actually discuss the business needs. I can bring in the practicalities and then get the expertise from the external counsel who probably has more time and resources yeah. than I do yeah. to do the research. Yeah. So that's the best partnership. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to talk a bit about your title because it's, <laughs> it's quite long. Because yes. I read it and it says Head Legal Client Coverage Corporate Commercial and Institutional Banking East Africa at Standard Chartered. So that is a, a mouthful. It is. That in itself can cover the globe. <laughs> Can you tell us what, what all of these things mean? Well, it certainly doesn't cover the globe, but yeah. it does cover East, East Africa. Africa. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, put simply, we cover uh, the businesses, the corporate businesses yeah. in East Africa. So that's your big corporates and, uh, you know, uh, big uh, MNCs, the multinational corporations okay. who okay. have subsidiaries here yeah. or branches here. Mm -hmm. And... Basically, if I could expand a little bit about the role, yeah. it's it's really plugging in very early on in terms of deal structuring and then offering. So if you if you, look, if you think about it, it's like the entire client life cycle. Yeah. So when they come on board, actually, I should have started there. So when you're onboarding a client, the due diligence that's required, there's some legal nuances there. We offer that support. When they want to uh, get transactions you know, going, they want finance, then you get on board in terms of the deal structuring. And then when things go a bit awry and uh, there's some debt restructure yeah. or unfortunately realization, yeah. then you also come in. Okay. So if you look at it, it's really end-to-end -end, okay. uh, support. All right, that's yeah. great. So yeah. what is your day-to-day -day function like? What is your 
what is it from waking up to like the end of the day and what are the hours of the day okay mm-hmm. um so i would say that um, maybe perhaps a typical day would uh, be waking up looking at what's in the diary what meetings you have yeah and especially during covid uh, one has to be very intentional right um because the tendency is you can jump up and straight into your laptop yeah which is what we all did right yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so it's being very intentional about having a routine so waking up doing your bit and then getting into the day um, yeah so mapping out what meetings you need to attend to and then sometimes new things will 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 crop up so you know your day can't be really planned mm-hmm. and offering that support uh, real time uh, is important and then also learning how to prioritize we used to have a, a bit of a joke when i joined uh, the banking world um every relationship manager would say my client is flying out today today yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> until i decided that it was code for i need my matter to be handled out, first yeah. but you would discover some of those 6 months later that the documents yeah. are not back yeah, yeah. so what happened to that client yeah. flying mm-hmm. out yeah so i think it's just discerning what you need to prioritize yeah and also then uh, being uh, uh, more of a facilitator because yeah. then you need to empower your colleagues to also uh, you know do, do a bit of the heavy lifting on and that. is it is it uh, you and the relationship manager as working in a team with the client or how do you organize yourself absolutely in fact yeah. a perfect example i can give is where a negotiation on some client documentation uh, had gone a bit awry so i jumped into a cab with my business colleagues yeah. and went to the client's office yeah and um, before the meeting started uh, had a sidebar with the head of legal it always helps when yeah. legal is aligned so i talked with her and we were able to align on what needed to happen so when we went into the meeting i already had her on board yeah 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 so the business was quite impressed because yeah literally dropped everything and jumped into that uh, crucial meeting because the deal needed to be closed mm-hmm. that day okay yeah i think i've noticed well having known you a very short time and also interacted with you in preparation for the podcast that right. you're very very efficient oh, and wow. and you you answer very quickly very responsive um <laughs> and i read also somewhere that you have a very effective management style which oh. is why you've been lauded as well Um what does that effective management style look like and what can we learn from that what can you give, yeah. give us tips I think non hierarchical in yeah. one word mm-hmm. um if you set out to be a boss I don't think you'll get very effective results yeah. but if you are an inclusive leader and then I like the style of situational uh, leadership so yeah. you, you it's not prescriptive you can't be the kind of leader who has one one sort of play. Yeah, yeah. 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 It so what whatever you need to do at that particular at that time. At that particular time. I like that approach, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then like if I can give a practical example when covid uh, the onset of covid I was actually on leave that yeah. week. Yeah. So my team member said um Pat I'm thinking that perhaps just to get us together we can do a weekly call like every Tuesday yeah. like 30 minutes mm-hmm. or 15 minutes actually and just to check on each other. Yeah. And I said, yeah, run with it. And then when I came back, he said, so Pat, I'm handing over the mental. I said, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Run with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and to date, he still uh, steers it and now is bringing other members, wider members on board to lead. Yeah. So that then it's not about Pat, it's not about uh, you know, the leader. So also giving people opportunities to grow within their role. Absolutely. Amazing. Absolutely. What do you enjoy most about your role? I think it's just the interaction um with live transactions you know um 
I mean, if I was offered an opportunity to be, I think, back in the law firm, I would struggle, I think, a little. <laughs> no why? Offense. Why? Tell, tell us why. <laughs> I enjoy the direct interaction. Um, I can walk across, of, of course, pre-COVID, uh, walk across the room. And, and now that we're getting slowly out of the pandemic and sit with my business stakeholder and, yeah. you know, really discuss it. And it's real time. I don't yeah. have to arrange for a meeting necessarily. Yeah. I can just walk to their desk and yeah. likewise. And they find that approachability yeah. uh, very refreshing. And um, are you, you guys are still not not back fully into work or are you doing remote We're doing working? it in phases. Oh, wow. So, okay. Yeah. So mm. I think at some point we might have to, yeah. uh, you know, uh, be fully back. But, but for now... Our, our bank actually, even before uh, COVID, recognized flexi working. Yeah. And mm -hmm. when I was on a short term assignment uh, in Hong Kong, um, I learned the value of flexi working from my boss there. Tell us about Hong Kong and what oh, was that like? It was amazing. I mean, it was. Um, it was interesting because I was able to share best practices like uh, collaboration with, say, our credit teams, yeah. other stakeholders, was something that wasn't really readily done there. I mean, they have the volumes. They definitely make a lot of money for the bank. But um, in terms of our collaborative style and uh, being plugged in with our other stakeholders, yeah, I think that I was able to sell. So it was interesting because I thought I was, I, was, I was there to learn, but I ended up, uh, you know, sharing a lot, a lot. Uh, of what the good we do here. Yeah. yeah. What is the thing that you think that you're most effective at in your role what what can they do without they can't do without that <laughs> well i don't think anyone is indispensable are you not indispensable <laughs> i don't think so i think i'm indispensable <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. nice. um but i think the one thing that um is appreciated across the board uh is my ability to be pragma pragmatic yeah and actually if i can just talk a little bit about yeah how effective an in-house counsel be uh, can be mm -hmm. I think four things jump out. So the first is commercial acumen. You yeah. absolutely have to uh, be adept. You have to learn your business. You and you know, commercial acumen, business. for those who don't know what that means, what right. does it mean? Right. That's a good question. Um, I think it's basically uh, adopting a business mindset. Yeah. So I have a mentor who describes our role as not lawyers in mm -hmm. the business, mm -hmm. but businessmen and businesswomen mm -hmm. in the law. Mm -hmm. I think that just says it all. Businesswomen in the law. I yes. like that. I'm yes. not focusing on the men. <laughs> but businesswomen in the law. I really like that. Yeah. Okay. So if I can just expound on that a little bit. So it's basically like if you're in a tech organization, yeah. learn everything there is to know about tech. If okay. you're in a banking sector, what do you need to know about banking, digital banking? Yeah. All that is sustainability, sustainable finance. Yeah. You cannot be the person who just um, understands their role as a lawyer and doesn't understand the business they're supporting. And it's, it's the relevant business acumen for the Absolutely. business that you're doing. Absolutely. Yeah. But it helps to have broader experience. Yes. yes. Because, and my years in practice helped a lot. So yeah. I'm not discounting that. Yeah. Uh, because I was able to do a lot of debt recovery um, and, and, and just very able mentorship from the partners at the firm. Yeah. And I was able to then adopt a mindset of, you know, what do I need to do to get this client out of the woods? Which, when I've brought that in-house, has been extremely valuable. valuable. So it's not something that I would have trained for if I was going straight in-house. Correct, in -house, correct. Yeah. But it has served me. Yeah. So I think having 
having a thirst for knowledge and I'm an avid reader not as often as I would like no from what, from what, from what I've kno- <laughs> what I've known the short time you've yes. already told me about the four books that I still need to read you said business yeah. acumen and you, there were three others yes okay. thank you so the other one is um, being a pragmatic I yeah. think I mentioned it before yeah. so you know there's always risk to everything and uh, this ties into um, an article I read when I joined uh, in-house. It's called The 10 Things That Every Legal Department Needs to Know. Where can we find that article? I'm happy to share it. Please share it so that we can then share the link um, oh, yeah. so that everyone can get it. Yeah, yeah. because I think I can't run through, it, through everything. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. But the, the one that stands out and ties in with the pragmatism is legal does not run the business. Yeah. If every in-house counsel listening in can listen to that, <laughs> yeah. legal does not run the business. Because we get tempted to, uh, because when you are very efficient, people rely on you a lot. And they come to you for advice, Correct. even for things that you're not responsible mm-hmm, for. Mm-hmm. So you can become the deal, deal breaker, mm. literally. You can kill the deal. Because, because you're always you know, putting a barrier as to what the business wants to do. And it is very easy to do because you're protecting or you think you're protecting the client's interests, right? Absolutely. And it's actually both uh, for in-house and external counsel, I would say. Correct. And thanks for for raising that, Jerry. Because sometimes some of the advice that we get, uh, you know, with all due respect, (laughs) like I'll give an example for banking, uh, the banking um, interest rate cap. Correct. And we got a plethora <laughs> of advice, of opinions. Yeah. And people even quoted case law. And I was like, okay, there's no precedent. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But then the difference with the counsel that we dispensed was these are our products. This is where the interest rate cap is going to come in. This is the impact. This is what we need to do, do yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, going forward. Yeah. So that's a very practical example. And I remember actually one of our senior uh, legal, uh, you know, counsel within the group, observing that that was actually uh, really pragmatic. Yeah, and I, it, I like that approach. Yeah, yeah. what yeah. can we do exactly. as opposed to what what shouldn't we or do? What the or law, what, or the what the Supreme law. Court said. Yeah. Da, 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 yeah, yeah, You know, mm-hmm. so so I think one has to. You cannot survive as in-house counsel, not for very long. <laughs> Correct. If you do not dispense pragmatic advice. Okay. So that was the second. Mm-hmm. So the third is, um, so we talked about understanding the business, we talked about pragmatism, Correct. we talked about let your, let your focus be solution-oriented. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. So, um, I'll, I'll put it simply, let your yes, be, uh, no, rather, let your no be respected. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. So it's sparingly given. I completely, I'm so aligned on that. Yeah. Because if you keep saying no, it, it doesn't help. And no one believes help. you because you're always saying no. Exactly. But if it's if it's a no that's valid, yes, then it becomes more more significant. Exactly. So the idea is <clears> to, <throat> if someone comes to you and what they're they're proposing doesn't work, then you don't jump to a no immediately. You say, what else can we do? Exactly. Yeah. Explore okay. other avenues, and right. I think. That is what probably makes us stand out. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And my team, I can speak uh, very, very, very frankly and honestly, are seen to be enablers. I really rather like than that. Okay, yeah. amazing. Yeah. What's the fourth one? The fourth one is now that you have perfected the three, you can actually become the go to person yeah. very easily. Mm-hmm. But you have to uh, learn not to be a victim of your success. 
and uh, I'm sure you know many people grapple with the whole work-life balance. I'm not so sure if there's a work-life balance, but Let, we, we, we will talk about that because <laughs> I need to understand your point of view on that. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, but you know, you can get so good at what you do that unfortunately people then become, uh, you know, uh, dependent, mm -hmm. extremely dependent on you, which mm -hmm. is not a good thing. Yeah. So you need to learn to separate what you're good at, what you dispense, uh, what is your role, yeah, and what is someone else, you know, passing you know, the back to you. Yeah. So you need to push back. One of the things I really um, have learned is stakeholder management. Yeah. Bringing people around the table, especially where things are not going well and people are not taking decisions or responsibility. Yeah. And, you know, forcing then that to happen yeah. in that round table. In because the then it table. becomes very clear whose role is what. Okay. As okay. opposed to, and then also avoiding the long emails. I mean... <laughs> It can be death by meeting, but also death by, by email. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we need to be able to pick up the phone, which is one of the other things that uh, the, that article by a general counsel in the U.S., Stalin Miller, says in his 10 things. Yeah. And he says, yeah, pick up the phone. And, and speak. Pick up the phone. Yeah. In my case, when, you know, you can, you're in the office, walk to the desk. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Saves a lot of Let's tears. talk about the work-life balance. Yeah. What is there work-life Can you have a work-life balance, especially at your level? Yeah. which is very senior. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't call it work-life balance. And one of our senior business uh, stakeholders mentioned this one time, talked about its balance. Yeah, it's really balance. balance. Yeah. Because some, some days you will have to work those hours. I'm sure, Jerry, you can relate. Of course. But the midnight oil, there's a transaction that has to cross the line. Yes, you're nodding very, mm. very, very. Even very at Christmas. Tellingly. Even oh, at Christmas, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. But then there are times when you have to just be intentional. Yeah. Like now, I mean, uh, if I want to um, attend a music concert for my kids, I have to be intentional about it and manage my stakeholders and say, no, this one is a priority mm. today for me. So I think it's... And I didn't get it right for a very long time. Yeah. Still a work in progress. Yeah. I used to, I think, be a workaholic. So I'm a recovering one. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'll ever recover. Maybe I need any tips from you. When you I imagine it's a downtime, it's, it's, it's being deliberate. You see, like how we diarize meetings, yeah. um, appointments. Um, and increasingly with age, I'm having to do that more because yeah, yeah. my memory is just not what Of it course. Was. That's one of the things you know? I've realized. You cannot rely on your memory anymore. You just yeah. have to be very intentional about planning things. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it helps also to put pencil in like exercise time. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I, I, I think during the pandemic that helped a lot. Yeah. And I was going through a bit of crisis. So the walking, you know, um, and just getting out there. Taking time out. Had the two, the twin effect of mm -hmm. getting away from the work, but also, you know, freeing me up yeah. from the stress. When you think back on, on where you started from and mm -hmm. going to law school, etc., mm -hmm. did you think that you'd be here? Actually, no. I thought I would retire in a law firm. I yeah. thought I, I would retire in Walker Conscience, yeah, yeah where, where, where I was. Um, so yeah, life, life, it's interesting. It, it takes a different turn. I think what I've learned is to open myself and I, my faith is an integral part for me. Yeah. Uh, open myself to, uh, the journey God leads me. To. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's really good to be centered in a faith that, that allows you the breathing room to really trust and believe in what you're going to do next. Absolutely. What, let's talk about the future now. What is yeah. the future looking like? We're, we're in a new year. Yes. You're here to inspire us with uh, <laughs> where we can go with our money. Yeah. Um, so for the banking industry, it's going through a transition in terms of 
digital lending. A lot of people are unbanked now, relying more on digital lending. How do you see that um, going, you know, going forward? And what are you guys doing about it? All right, I'll speak personally because yeah. I can't speak for the you bank. You can't speak for the bank, yeah. yes. Mm -hmm. um, but but uh, definitely, uh, digital is the way to go. Yeah. And I think uh, the COVID uh, pandemic accelerated that for all of us, mm -hmm. right? I mean, who would have thought people could work from home? I felt like um, actually my team was ahead of the curve uh, because Is we it, had practiced it, it already when I came from Hong Kong. Okay, yeah, so I you'd already implemented it. Oh, good. Yes, I implemented okay. it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it was a no-brainer, mm -hmm. and we tested the VPN and all that IT stuff yeah. that a lot of people, I think, grappled with. So that was really good, mm -hmm. I mean, to see that coming uh, to bear. How, how big is your team, by the way? Well, right now I have a team member <laughs> my other team member retired. Yeah. Yeah. But of course, we work closely with my clients and products legal okay. um, partners. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's all about leveraging yeah. on partnerships. So, yes, I think it's uh, important that as we, you know, as, as we transit into this new space where we've discovered you can do meetings virtually, you can uh, do a lot yeah. working from home. Yeah. Um, yeah, that we adapt to new ways of working, right? And digital is it, I guess. Digital is it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I think for me, it's how do I upskill myself as a lawyer working in the bank uh, to prepare for that world? Or actually, it's already there. So mm -hmm. how do I continuously prepare uh, so that I'm not caught flat-footed? Yeah, yeah. It's keeping abreast. It's and, just keeping abreast. And how do you m marry that with also... Because you, you're East Africa head, so mm -hmm. I guess you're covering the whole of the region. How do you marry that and what do you see... Uh, what do you think for the future in your role in East Africa? I think it's basically touching a bit on the leadership bit, mm -hmm. um, making sure that your team members are not getting stuck in their day-to-day. -day. Yeah. So exposing them more. So, um, like I said, increasing your knowledge. So, um, and then also leveraging on the partnerships. So mm -hmm. I partner a lot with my country legal colleagues in Uganda and Tanzania because I can't do it alone. I mean, I have one team member. Yeah. Um, so how do you expand their skill set? How do you equip them to also attend if there's an LMA conference? And my colleague did that very well. My corporate finance legal colleague uh, was able to empower um, our head of country legal in Uganda to actually, you know, prepare for yeah. that webinar, uh, and rather, you know, conference, because mm -hmm. it was happening in her space. As opposed to flying down there. As opposed to you being doing, there, yeah. So yeah. empowering people to do um, to, 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 roles where they to can. Grow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To grow. Yeah, yeah. But also mm -hmm. growing yourself. So mm -hmm. it's about personal development mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. like And also challenging the business. Like if you feel maybe they're not doing enough in the sustainability space, how can you challenge them to actually look at you know, different products. Is that, is that what you're interested in going forward, sustainability? Yeah, yeah actually, I think it's, it's, it's something everyone should be interested in. I mean, in. It's, it's definitely something that we need to be more deliberate about. Absolutely. How do you see that in, in your role as a sustainability, you know, is it the champion? Um, yeah. And what does it mean to you? I think for me, it's um, cr the cross-border element has okay. helped a lot mm -hmm. because we have... Um, you know, colleagues like say sitting in Dubai or colleagues who are actually in the corporate finance space who do the sustainable finance transactions day yeah. to day. Oh, I like that. Sustainable finance transactions. transactions okay, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So it helps, but also just general, you know, tips on sustainability. Like I can mention, I'm part of a running club, uh, you know, where oh, wow. we actually are patroned by our CEO here in Kenya and East Africa. 
And that helps because then you're also looking at longevity, yeah. uh, you know, fitness. But also we do get to plant trees on occasion, so the, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the various activities sometimes that we do in the bank. Mm-hmm. But moving away from the bank and, you know, more to the personal, it is about how do I um, make myself future ready? How do I constantly, you know, upskill myself? And we do have a learning platform and uh, in, the, in, in the organization. Which allows really. people to then upscale whatever, they, whatever yeah. they're interested in. Data analytics, I mean, that sustainability, is so impo- name it. That is so important. Yeah. And even and the soft skills. Yeah. Because no one taught us that in very law true. school. Very true. Yeah. And we're always grappling, actually, even in, as a firm, with soft skill training mm-hmm. and marketing training, how to market yourself, how to make yourself a better person. And I think if you're, if you're looking at January as mm-hmm. the beginning of the year, anyone mm-hmm. who's listening, this is a mm-hmm. great time to decide on, you know, what kind of thing do I want to upscale myself in going forward? Absolutely. And those soft skills are, are key as well as, you know, um, commercial acumen, as you mentioned before. Yes, and I will mention one, mental uh, health first aid. I mean, <laughs> please tell us about that. I have never heard of mental health first aid. You're the first person to tell me about this. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, so as I mentioned, I was in crisis at some point and I needed support and I got that support yeah. actually from... A reverse mentor. I yeah. love that. Tell, tell us about that as well. Yeah, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll touch on mentoring, yeah. I guess. Mm-hmm. But um, that helped me get the support I needed. And it got me thinking that how do I pass this on? Because half the time people are walking around looking okay, but they're not. Yeah. So how do I become more adept at supporting? Uh, but also, how can I be approachable and be equipped? Yeah. You know, just like physical first aid. I mean, uh, I don't know the first thing about CPR. So, but someone who has done a physical first aid course will we'll be know what more to adept. do. Yeah. So it's just the same thing. I mean, um, and in our community, African culture, we have this thing of, and allow me to say a little bit of kikuyu, <laughs> where you're going through <laughs> Please, a tell crisis, us the grief, and then you're told, well, medity. You know, be strong. Yeah. Be strong. That is and a very kikui thing. And by the way, please don't ask me to say it to myself. <laughs> yeah, but basically, I learned that some of these things through the mental health first aid course yeah. are not helpful. Can you give us a, a tip? Um, yeah. Sorry, sure. I'll, I'll let you finish. Give sure. us a tip about what is the first thing that you can identify. Actually, there is an acronym. It's interesting, Jerry, that you should say on yeah. how you can offer support. So maybe I'll, I'll share that later. Yeah. But, but the first one is actually um, A, approach, okay. assist, and assess. So AAA. AAA. Okay. So basically, if I spot you somewhere huddled in a corner, can I approach? And then... I can assist, I can offer assistance. You know, because it always has to be voluntarily. You can't force of your, your support. Mm-hmm. So if someone is, you know, amenable, then you can assess. Okay. So basically it's drawing them out. What's, what's, what's going on? Do you want to talk about it? Did you see? So that then now you're able to assess. Because remember, you're a first aider. Yeah, yeah. You're not the professional. You're not a psychotherapist. You know, you're not a psychiatrist. So it's just the initial assessment so that then you're able to then offer support and the okay. rest of the acronym does offer that. So, But one of the things I should mention, the second letter is listen non-judgmentally. Yeah. And that's why the we all made it here thing <laughs> does not help yeah. because then you're already assessing that this person needs to be strong and yet they need to let it out. When I went through my crisis, I was strong. I was a ninja. But that was not helpful. When I got therapy, I was then now actually able to cry. 
Yeah. And it's it provided a lot of release. I mean, I have to say, Pat, that a lot of people we try and stay stick to the to the legal uh, you know ajari talks but a lot of people don't want to go into the personal mm. but i think it's so important for us to be human as well as lawyers Absolutely. we're not just robots um and so for you to talk about your crisis and being a mental health first aider as a result of that and understanding not only the business side, but also understanding what mental health first aid can look like within a business context. Mm -hmm. I think that is so important. And, you. and you should do more of that because a lot of people don't, don't know or even don't know how to do, you know, the approach. Uh, is it approach, assess, approach, and? Uh, assist, and, and assist. assist. Okay. Oh, approach, you actually, we assess and assist. Yeah. I think you're approach, right. Approach, assess, and <laughs> yes. assist. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I think that's that is so call. important for us to learn. So thank you so much for sharing that. That's I think welcome. that's really good. Let's talk about mentorship and reverse mentorship. How sure. has that um, assisted you then? I am <clears throat> very passionate about people. Yeah. And I think also one of the things I've learned is that I wish I knew some things that were not taught in law school or yeah. in practice. Yeah. You yeah. know, yeah. I mean, basically, you've, I've come to know them late in the day. Things like growth mindset. I mean, my kids breathe and leave that, but I only learned that concept. What last is growth year. mindset? Do I <laughs> so, even know what that is? I don't think I know. So, growth mindset yeah. is where you accept challenging, in fact, in fact, actually invite challenging feedback. Oh, really? And accept okay. it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And basically, you're always looking at learning continuously. So, I'll talk about it in one of the nuggets I would share with young people would be intelligent failures. Yeah. So that's tied to that. What is right? that? I mean, what? <laughs> Tell us, what is intelligent feedback? What did you just say? Intelligent, intelligent failures, failures. Failures. What is that? So you know how you can make mistakes and everyone is always talking about, oh, you know, feel, you know, safe and create an environment where people can do that. Yeah. But you, uh, it's only a Fail, real failure if you don't learn from it. Yeah. Right? So it's an intelligent failure. Intelligent failure. Okay, good. Is, right, I yeah. get it. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah. So what were we talking about again? Mentorship. mentorship. We have <laughs> mentorship. covered so many things. Okay. So let's stick to mentorship. Let's stick yeah. to mentorship. Mm -hmm. So um, I have learned that if I can pass things forward, and I even do it with my kids, then I can save them a lot of the trouble. Not to save them from, uh, you know, learning from, because I think it's healthy to learn through experience. But there are some obvious pitfalls that we yes. can avoid. Yes. So I plugged into, uh, during the pandemic, interestingly, uh, into an outfit called Girls for Girls. It's yeah. a non-profit. It's, a, a it's external. Yes. Actually founded um, by Harvard Kennedy alumni. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so there's one of the founders is in Uganda. So it actually sprang up in Uganda. It's really okay. thriving mm -hmm. there. Then also then spilled over mm -hmm. to Kenya. So I plugged in because my Uganda colleague at the time you know talked about it so I got interested and let me tell you about healing through service really? it was the most amazing thing because I was in crisis mm -hmm. but it helped to actually uh, be able to share but one of the benefits also is then the reverse mentoring in one circle I remember one of my mentees was actually 60 years old and she told me that when I grow up, I want to be like you. And I thought, wow, <laughs> it's the reverse, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because one of the things that we used to practice is uh, speaking, uh, you know, courageously, um, you know, the art of presentation, for instance. And she did a pitch and I was like, you nailed it. Yeah. 100%. You know, it was punchy to the point and there was a call to action. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So mentorship for me has been so beneficial. It's not one a one-way street.
Yeah. Um, I'm also very keen on launching an in-house um, council mentorship program. Wow, okay. So I sit in the LSK in-house council committee. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, we're looking to do that hopefully in the next, over the next one or so years. Yeah. Uh, really have a robust program where we can actually, you know, yeah. benefit. Amazing. Um, and so at the moment you have like a, a circle in the Girls for Girls, you have a circle of people that you mentor? So I took a break because I also had to be, you know, uh, intentional. intentional. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, when I was in it in 2020, um, I had a circle. Uh, yeah. And yes, there was a group of about like five or six or so. I mean, I ladies. love that. I also have a group of mentees. Oh, nice. And I look for them to, for reverse mentorship as well. I mean, I've, I've learned so much from them. Yeah. Um, so in all of this, mm -hmm. the thing that we've, I mean, we've learned so much, but you're talking about being a focused leader, mm -hmm. um, understanding the business that you're running, working strategically with your partners. Mm -hmm. You're talking about mental health mm -hmm. um, and being a mental health first aider and understanding when someone is in crisis within the business context or even in a personal context. Absolutely. You're talking about mentorship and also the role that you can, do, you know, you can heal through service mm -hmm. and the role that you can play as a mentor, giving people advice. Mm -hmm. um, and so we've covered those three. Yes. What is your life philosophy? So I think my mantra is there are two things that I think are irreducible minimums for me. Irreducible minimums, yes. I love that. Okay. Integrity and respect. Even my kids know it. Yeah. Of course, in the more, you know, condensed version. Yeah. But mm -hmm. yes, those two stand out for me. And um, if it doesn't feel right, I, 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 I'm happy to walk away from it, even if it can cost quite a bit. So those those have been my principles okay. I've lived by, and okay. they have served me well. I love it. Now that we've covered all of that, let's yeah. talk about the tips and tricks to working well. And this is di directly focused on young lawyers right. who may want to just get advice from you on working and how to work better. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So first of all, uh, what w advice would you give to anyone who's looking to go into legal practice? What what tip would you give? Right. So the first one I think would be uh, be very measured in terms of your expectations because I think a lot of the times people expect that in-house counsel are paid very well, they have the best life. Are you not paid very well? <laughs> uh, that's debatable. Yeah. So I think being very realistic uh, will help. Uh -huh. I would say, and it's not a one-size-fits-all, for me personally, it helped to have the experience in practice. Yeah. It really did because it... Um, helped me dispense with the advice that I told you is needed like yesterday very readily. And I, I, th I didn't know it until a business stakeholder actually pointed it out that you're very quick with dispensing yeah. advice, but yeah. it helped. I mean, I left as a partner, you know, so... So you were already very senior in your yeah, role. Yeah, not, not even about the seniority. It's about the experience. Yeah, yeah. It's about the experience. I guess senior because you had experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. <laughs> but I think the three things that we weren't taught in law school that I would love for our young lawyers, and, and it's both in-house counsel, but, yeah. but external mm -hmm, as well, mm -hmm. is build your social capital. That's the first one, yeah? I'll, I'll touch on three things quickly. So build your social capital. Now, what does that look like, especially for an introvert like me? Yes, and I'm, I'm Are an Are you introvert. an introvert? Oh, yeah. <laughs> is uh, you have to go out your, your comfort zone a bit. Yeah. There's this theory of success that's called PI. So it's a performance, image, exposure. And if I were to do a quick fire on you, <laughs> what, is, what percentage do you think performance has? Uh, performance, image, and exposure. What percentages would you attribute to each? For, for myself personally? For success. 
or for, for success, for generally. performance. I would put performance more mm-hmm. because I think you need to be worth your salt. Mm-hmm. So I think that you need to, you know, have the experience and be able to perform at what you're saying before you can sell an image. Mm-hmm. And what was it? Exposure. And, 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 and expose, expose yourself, I think. So you'd put because, performance? Yeah, then I think it's then? credible. Performance, then image then image exposure. and then exposure yeah. so can i shock you <laughs> am i completely wrong performance is 10 percent. is it oh yeah and wow. then image is actually 30 percent. wow and then exposure takes a chunk at 60 percent. now i only learned that like two years back yeah mm-hmm. and i was a worker i mean work ethic is the thing correct right? i thought i, I would so think that yeah that. Mm-hmm. but then i would wonder why some people progress very quickly yes and others do not like yes. me and I discovered, oh, yeah, you have to enhance your exposure. So we've talked about, you know, building your social capital. Yeah. So that means you have to look for uh, ways in which you increase your profile and visibility, which means probably doing things you're not very comfortable doing, like um, doing a podcast like Are this Are you not one. comfortable? I thought you were very comfortable here. <laughs> now I have learned. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you can imagine, I mean, yes. this was the first... Yes sort of experience talking to someone publicly it would be very 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 difficult mm-hmm. especially for an introvert correct so it's understanding yourself first and then understanding how do i raise my profile how do i get out of my comfort zone and still have time to recharge um but also when and these people do a lot they connect on linkedin yeah but they do not make themselves memorable. Yeah. And yeah. it's a work in progress for me as well. So it's not like I've perfected that. But if I reach out to, and I can give an example of you. Jerry reached out to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She reached out to me on LinkedIn after literally seeing me on the podium. Yeah. <laughs> on the Nairobi Legal Award. Yeah. And she actually asked if I could join her podcast. I was very intentional. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how do you make yourself memorable? There was someone who did a talk. And I reached out to her, an MD, a very high-profile South African company. And I listened to her podcast. And she was so authentic. She's a Kenyan. Yeah. Running a South African company. Yeah. I mean, I was just mind-blown by that. And I just reached out to, you to her. You tell me her name. Then I can get her on the podcast She's as well. a very private person. <laughs> but maybe separately. Yeah. We can side chat. Mm-hmm. But she, I reached out to her and said, thank you for being so authentic. Two years later, she, she acknowledged it. But two years later, she asked to meet. That's so nice. Out of the blues, she was yeah. in Kenya and asked to meet. So that's how you make yourself memorable. Don't just connect and then there's no message, there's nothing. What do you want to get out of this? Mm-hmm. So, so and build your social capital. So and I think you, what you're saying is that you can start doing that at a very young age, oh, even when you are a young lawyer. Absolutely. I was talking to a group of differently abled, uh, you know, students from USIU that come for a mentorship day uh, yeah. at Standard Chartered. That at least I can talk about yeah. publicly because it's in the public domain. And we have an employability uh, program. I love so that. So I got to talk. I was actually on a panel, but I also got to talk to a young group of differently able students. And, I, you know, they started asking all jobs, you know, the usual. And I was like, but how have you put yourself out there? You know, and this is competitive. Have you looked at our careers portal? But more importantly, have you cleaned up your image? Half of them did not have a LinkedIn profile. Okay. And I think many people wait for them to get a job for them to then say but then you want a job and you're not there and you've done a lot of things student leadership i mean most of my skills were honed in as a young you know prefect in primary school correct yeah high school i was a house captain 
You know, so these things do count. House captain, head of legal. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, in terms of your day-to-day, -day, when you're working and there's a lot on your plate, how do you organize yourself? Mm -hmm. How do you make sure that you're getting things done? Mm -hmm. uh, we, all talk, we talked already about prioritizing. Right. How do you then make sure that you're prioritizing the right things? I think it's just about, um, I think it comes with experience because initially you can get bombarded with yeah. all manner of requests. Mm -hmm. But I think it's learning to spot the urgent from the not so urgent. And I think some, sometimes it's just instinct. It's, it's instinct. And also learning your stakeholders. Mm -hmm. So you absolutely have to learn your stakeholders. And one practical way of doing that if you're in-house is to plug into their segment sales meetings. So we have different business units. So there's one taking care of financial institutions. There's one taking care of global subsidiaries. There's one taking care of, you know, your local corporates. So if you can plug into their sales meetings, yeah. that way you become top of mind. And you can also arrest things very early on so yeah. that you're not accused of being a deal blocker when you're yeah. in at the tail end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it helps you also learn to prioritize, you yeah. know, like, okay, I get there's a plug. We need to plug in into this gap. Yeah. Uh, so we need to prioritize maybe this segment for, for now because they're behind budget, for instance. You can only learn that my getting to know the business yeah. intimately. Yeah. yeah. Um, in terms of when you were looking, when you were a trainee, I guess, or a pupil, mm -hmm. and you then decided on conveyancing, mm -hmm. how did you identify that this particular area is the one where I will thrive in as opposed to corporate or litigation or something else? Actually, I didn't. <laughs> so I was thrown <laughs> Everything in. Everything is it's accidental. <laughs> fact. Everything cannot be accidental. I would say divine. Yeah. Divine. divine. I love it. Divine. So I was thrust <laughs> into commercial <laughs> and uh, convincing. And I actually remember talking to the managing partner at the time of the law firm I was in and asking that I really wanted to do litigation because I had grown up watching, you know. LA this, Law. Yeah, oh, yeah. All of that. All that. Mm -hmm. uh, read John Grisham, yeah, you know. Of course. So it sounded very exciting, although the reality, I'm told, is very different. Yeah. And that's what I wanted to do. But then there was a lot of focus and steer to, you know, grow the commercial and convincing space. And let's just say I didn't end up, you know, actually exposed at all to litigation. So I'd be like a duck out of water. I have every respect yeah. to litigation. So that's how I ended up, actually, yeah. in commercial convincing. It wasn't really a choice choice as opposed to being thrust and thriving. Well, you're thriving now. Any other tips that you can give um, a young lawyer or someone who's looking to, or working in-house at the moment? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so the other one is stakeholder management. And I think part of that is also managing upwards. And I know a lot of people struggle with that, be it in-house or externally. Because I think our profession is very hierarchical in nature. Yeah. We have mm -hmm. senior, senior, mm -hmm. yeah, which yeah. I thrown upon <laughs> myself. Um, so anyway, one of the things that I think I've learned um, over the years, uh, more recently actually, is to build my adversity quotient. So we talk about EQ a lot, emotional intelligence, even social, I think a bit, uh, cultural intelligence, I think more lately, especially if you're an international organization like Correct. ours, you have to Correct. learn that, you know, because... All of these things are so key. I mean, we could yeah. do podcasts on just <laughs> On just those, each, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. But I really want to focus on adversity quotient because it's something I touched on at uh, the first coffee talk for yeah. the LSK Nairobi branch, which I was honored to be invited to. And I realized that it's something that really affects our young lawyers. Okay. Um, the stress of work, the stress of a toxic workplace, the stress of a boss who doesn't understand you. So, you know, 
half the time, yes, you might think, let me jump ship, but you might jump from the frying pan right into, into the, the fire. fire. Mm -hmm. So how do you also then start to develop resilience? So it's called adversity quotient. It's the component that is a test of the measure of your resilience. Okay. Right? Okay. So how do you do that practically is you learn, like now for me, I learned not to uh, expect validation from say my you know my boss or or people around me or even the business because sometimes you'll have to give an unpopular you know decision and if you're the kind of person who's always gravitating to validation then you will not thrive because you'll be affected jerry will say pat that wasn't so good and yeah. you'll be like oh my god you go through the rest of the day with a cloud over your head but if you're like, okay, tell me about what about it was not good. Yeah. And invite constructive criticism. And then separate the wheat from the chaff. If it's not adding up and you know yourself, then let it slide. Just respectfully disagree and move on. And I think a lot of the times we shy away from challenging uh, as well. And challenging upwards yeah. is important. Yeah. And especially when, and that's the value of reverse mentoring. If uh, it's a new field, you know, who knows better than, you know, the young lawyers about digital? The not digital not the older people, yeah. Not her. Mm -hmm, definitely. It's only <clears> recently <throat> I had an Instagram account, you know? <laughs> do you have an Instagram? Now I do. Good, good. <laughs> we will link up. <laughs> so that's the, 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 the one I would, I would really focus on. Okay. Build your adversity quotient and get a mentor, get a champion, get someone who knows you well, uh, demonstrates that you're valuable, make yourself memorable, as we said, and then have that personal speak about you. Build your personal brand is what I would say. Mm. But yeah. I think you have so many things to, to tell us <laughs> and really important things. I mean, mm. these are all key, key, key things for people who want to build themselves and things that you would think come naturally, they don't. Mm. You really have to build on all of those things. And thank mm. you so much for sharing that, Pat. Honestly, you've been a brilliant first guest for us. Um, amazing, amazing. I'm going to put a list together of all of the things that you've said so that we can focus and hone in on each of those. Sure. Um, and then everyone who wants to learn, you know, you guys go ahead and learn some more. And we'll also put the article um, that you gave us as well. There's one book I would <laughs> really, really love to recommend to everybody. Um, it's called Overcoming the Imposter. How to Lead with Confidence, How to Silence the Inner Critic and Lead with Confidence. It's by a gentleman called Chris Kelso. It's available on uh, Amazon, Kindle, um, but also a hard copy can be availed. Um, but it's so powerful. And I think one of the comforts I took away from this book is that imposter syndrome is more likely to be suffered by a high achiever. I mean, yeah. that, that, that for me was an aha moment. I mean, that is, a, that is a very, very key thing to say. Yeah. Because people wouldn't think necessarily, and I also suffer from imposter syndrome. I'm sure people are thinking that's not true. It's true. It can I'm be shocked, really, actually. no, it, it, it affects everyone where you're thinking you're in a room. And I even tell my friends that sometimes I'm in a room and on a panel yeah. and I'm like, is this really me? <laughs> exactly. And one of the nuggets is to actually use that nervous energy to actually fuel your, you know, um, yeah. your, your presentation or whatever it is that you're doing, right? So it's not necessarily a bad thing to feel like, hmm, maybe I'm not so qualified for yeah. this. But I think it becomes negative when you dwell on it to the point where... It prevents you. Actually, you. Yeah, it, it, yeah. It, just, it just kills. Amazing. And I think what we can spirit. do, let me try and get a hold of a copy and then we can give one away to, one of, the, awesome. to one of the people, one awesome. of our listeners. Yeah, so what we'll do is we'll try and get a copy and we'll give one away to someone. And I, I think that's a nice 
New Year's present. Happy New Year, everyone. Oh, happy New Year. Oh, <laughs> thank thanks, you so Jerry. much. Thank you so much, Pat. So now, let's do the fun part. Sure. Fun part let's, for who? For, for me. <laughs> uh, let's get to know you on another level. Thank right. you so much, Pat, for your time. Honestly, Most you've been fun. a brilliant guest. I really, I hope that I can see you in another forum as well. Just just listening to. to you, you've given to. us so many nuggets. You don't even, you don't even realize. But anyway, Thank let's you. do the quick fire round. Okay. Um, <laughs> Yeah, um, let's get to know you. These are questions that my mentees have come up with because they thought that well, let's not be too serious. Right. So yeah, okay. So beach holiday, city holiday. These are quick. No beach. time to think. Beach. Okay. Yeah. Favorite place to visit. Um. <laughs> quick, quick! It's the okay, first okay. thing. Uh, I would love to go to France. Oh, you've never been. I've never okay, been. my favorite place, France. Yeah. Okay, apple or orange? Apple. Pizza topping of choice. Uh, Hawaiian, uh, pineapple. Hawaiian pineapple. pineapple. Okay. Yeah. Favorite drink? Uh, Crest bitter lemon. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> not like a whiskey sour. You not said like a fire. Okay. Thank you so much, Pat. Thank You've you. been a brilliant guest, and oh, really nice to know you. Me. I'm sure we, I will get to know more of you. Um, over Thank the course you. of the year um, you guys um, this has been a brilliant first podcast for the year I can't thank you enough Pat um, and I'm going to put on some nuggets for all of us to learn um, at the bottom of the of the screen so that all of us are on the same page thanks so much you guys see you next month thank you